0: Welcome to the Rise for Educators podcast.
1: Today we are interviewing Evan Whitehead. He is an amazing educational thought leader who has a huge broad range of insightful ideas about remaking education, and all of it comes from the heart. From prioritizing teacher self-care to recognizing inequities in school and the need for shifting teachers' roles in the classroom. Evan really understands how all of these pieces fit together. Currently, he is the director of special services for his district and also works with Ruby Payne as a consultant for her AHA process. He has his heart all over the education world and he is really action oriented. We loved our conversation with Evan and we hope you will, too. Welcome to episode 44. So tell
0: us... um, about your servant, leader? What is your mission?
2: Well, you know what? I think it's really about like, we're in the, we're in the people business, right? No matter what people say, you know, um, at the end of the day, people are our product, whether it's little people or big people, right? As instructional coaches, you you work with adults, right? Who to ultimately have an impact on the students' You know, and then if you're a teacher, classroom teacher, you work with um, the students, but that's, that's our work, that's our bottom line. And at the end of the day, right, we are in our positions to serve other people, right? Um, so just because one has a title as a, you know, administrator, principal, assistant principal, whatever it is, at the end of the day, your job is to serve the needs of others, you know, whether they're the people that are in your in your building or the families as well in your community. So to me, I mean, that's always kind of what I, what I've been and what I do, you know, even, you know, in my private personal life, you know, that's always just my personality, Um, you know, and I think there's really is, there's no other way to do the work that we do, right? You can't, you can't do it any other way. Um, You have to understand that, that, you know, you may be leading people, but you're still, you know, through your leadership, you can serve them in the best way possible. Mm
1: -hmm. That's really interesting, Evan. I love that perspective because I think that's so true. You know, education is so different than so many other fields because you really see the fruits of your labor in front of you and you get that feedback every single day, whether it's with students or, you know, in our case with our teachers or in your case, you know, in your leadership position, you know, we really are talking about students all day long. So, yeah, I, I see that. Um, you know, we're in a little bit of of a precarious position this year with everything that's going
0: No, no way. (laughs) (laughs) Cakewalk, right?
1: (laughs) So through this, you know, and being a servant leader, um, how has that impacted how you've, I guess, gone about your way this year when there hasn't been really such like a roadmap to follow?
2: Well, to me, there never is a roadmap, right? Um, at the end of the day, you know, the pandemic demonstrated to us that the roadmap we thought we had wasn't working anyway, right? We right. thought we thought we had everything in place. We thought that we had, we, we were prepared for any and everything, right? But the pandemic actually um, brought out and magnified the challenges that every school system had, mm-hmm. that you were able to kind of like sweep under the rug or, or try to hide, so to speak, the pandemic happened and, and, and you weren't able to hide. So if there were inequities in your district, they were magnified because of COVID, right? We saw, we, we see that if there's, if there are other challenges that you've had, you know, everything's gonna come out, whether it's a challenge in, in effective communication in and in collaboration right in terms of two-way communication be p- between parents and your school and then also just the fact of like you know as much as everyone says oh we have a great relationship between between admin and our union and then you know and we have a great relationship with our parents and well did you, do you yeah. did you right because i think we're all seeing what happens when we are pushed right into a corner and we have to make a decision, right? It's all self-preservation. And what happens with self-preservation is, you know, people are looking to survive. And oftentimes their survival mode, right? Is the truth that comes out, right? When everything's fine, it's, it's you know, it's easy to be happy. It's easy to smile, right? It's it's easy, it's easy to get along with people. Everything's great. But when adversity comes into play, that's the true test to see you know if your relationships are solid, what's the foundation of that relationship? Because if you are truly especially working with people, right once again this is a we're in a business of people. When you begin to make deposits in terms of social capital, right, are you able to, to do withdrawals when the time is ready? And for a lot of people, they were broke right their, their 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 savings account in terms of social capital was not as full as they thought they were mm-hmm. if it were right we see we see a lot the, the transitions we'd see would be would be a lot smoother and this is just not locally right this is this is across the nation and globally if you look at the field of education in our profession right it's been turned it's been turned upside down and i'm happy because it needed to be right um, it wasn't working to begin with Right. Um, everyone would say one thing about, you know, oh, we're here for the kids. It's all about the kids. We care about the kids, you know, and we in every we care about every student. But that wasn't true. That wasn't true because <laughs> yeah. because if, if it were true, we wouldn't have the inequities that we do. Right. And that's coming from the top down from the from the federal government, the state government to local. Right. If, if we truly if we truly did care about all students, we wouldn't have the inequities in terms of resources. Right in terms of teacher quality, in terms of leadership, right? We wouldn't have that in place, but we do, right? So once again, it's conditional. As long as it favors us, it's okay with us. It's fine. But now everyone's been exposed. So those are those um, systems that are, that are great and truly about that work. They've, 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 they've been striving, right? And even in the tough times, they've been able to pull on that. On, on the relationships and the and the respect, and the understanding and the trust that they've had has pulled them through this time, versus some other folks that you know, basically their foundation was built on sand, right? And they thought it, it looked good, and looked pretty, but as soon as the storm came, right? You it, you know they were they were shown they were shown that they really didn't have the ability to do what they say they were going to do. So to me, this is a learning opportunity for everybody. Um, and I think for me, you know, um, the one thing about, about having an attitude and a belief in terms of being a servant leader is that everything you do is about, is about serving people. And it's about being authentic and being honest and being transparent when it's necessary. So what happens in a time of crisis, right? People already know what to expect from you, right? You don't have to now try to create a different facade but people know already. So they're going to trust in what you have to say. And it helps with that when you have to make those decisions in terms of, you know, truly supporting everybody and giving them what they need.
0: Yeah, I love that lens. I ha- We have a great principal um, at the junior high where I work and he um, speaks a lot to remember we are serving these children and we are we're here to serve and he uses that language all the time. Um, and I think it's really powerful because I think it's a- just a great lens for everyone to, you know, as things are kind of reshuffling like they needed to reshuffle like kind of that Mm -hmm. refocus of where we are here as educators to serve and so I just I love that on your twitter profile thank you so you're a leader in your district right what things are working well
2: well you know what's work what's working real well and I'm and I'm proud of it and um is that we've always focused on the social emotional well-being of students and adults and families, right? And because of that, that was the first thing that came to mind when we were in crisis learning mode almost a year ago, Mm -hmm. which I can't believe it's almost a year, right? It's um, when, right? And we all thought this was gonna be, you know, we'll be okay in about a month. We'll be back to school maybe, maybe a couple months. And now it's a year later we're just talking about coming back to school but i think when you when your focus is on the social emotional well-being right then you're working on the whole person mm-hmm. right and then we're talking about heart work h e a r t work mm-hmm. and it and it has a different focus so what happens is when you lead with that right that never changes it always works so what happens is you know, we start caring about the well-being of adults. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know how are we how are we looking out for them? Because we realize that when everything like stopped abruptly, no one was really talking about what did the teachers need in terms of their well-being, mm-hmm. right? And you all know in conversations now, you know that there are a lot of educators, regardless of their position title, role in its district that are having mental health challenges, you know, and that's, and that is a hundred percent real. And I think we've been very proactive in supporting our educators in that realm, you know, during when, when the pandemic first hit, um, my friend and I, who's a, who's a global educator, her name is Kavita Tana, we came together and created a program called the Alphabetic Survival Guide for COVID-19. And what we did, we went through every letter of the alphabet and um, we would we would go three times a week and we would have a guest speaker come in choose a letter of the alphabet and talk about an experience or a word that fit that that had to do with mental health and well-being it was exactly what the teachers needed what our educators needed because you know we started right around the first week of april the conversations that my my friend and i had and her in particular because she was actually in china in beijing at the epicenter of covid Oh, wow. And then left and, and went back home to London. And, you know, she it, she was frustrated because no one was talking about what are we going to do about the teachers, the educators, right? Okay. No, like it's just, it was like an afterthought, like almost as if we're superhumans and we can just endure anything and it's going to be fine. We're going to be okay, which is not the case. So, so I just, I, you know, I, I jokingly said, so what are you going to do about it? And that's kind of become, you know, um, kind of the running joke or or one of my famous quotes when when people have something they want to do, whether they're complaining or they want to make a change. I just I I push them. So, okay, that's fine. So now what are you going to do about it? And that's what we did. We created this program. And um, from that program, we had such great feedback because. We also had people in my own staff that participated and took a letter of the alphabet and they were taught, they, they picked a word and the importance of that to them. And it was just a time when people need to connect, you know, like, like we went from being fully in person and everyone was connecting on a regular basis to all of a sudden we were all shut in, in our homes and we couldn't, we couldn't go anywhere. And it was, you know, it, it's really what people needed. And I think it was, the timing was great. So, um, that was kind of the jumping point for us to look out for the well being of our of our staff, and then we had already started, um, I was doing emotional poverty training, which I do with uh, with uh, Ruby Payne's company, I, um, with her her recent book and studies, Emotional Poverty in All Demographics. So how to reduce anger, anxiety, and stress in the classroom. So we'd already started that journey a year prior and I was providing training to our staff. So we were already starting to talk about social emotional well-being, emotional emotions, how to manage that, how to navigate it, how to work with students that have challenging emotions, how to how to how how we as adults, right, have things that we need to work on because if we don't take care of our needs, it's gonna impact the students. So we were in a really good place, um, I just have to say, and that's just because that's the way that we always did business that allowed us. So when this came, it was just the same thing, right? The first thing was, Are our families okay? What do our families need? Right. We made sure that, you know, everyone had Wi Fi access and we had everyone had one to one devices. And then it's just checking in with people. How are you doing? Like, you know, how's everything going? And that helped because then the work of putting a schedule together, right? And what that looks like coming back, that was taking that was a lot easier because now people say, okay, we're on the same page, right? As a staff, we can have those conversations because we've been through something together and we understand what's going on. So during the pandemic that that's worked for us. Um, I would also say that um, us probably like some other districts and schools, we we realized that students can learn outside of the four walls of the school, right? And we have diverse learners and a lot of students that we thought would not do well, they're actually thriving in a remote learning setting. So I think that's something that for us, um, you know, we want to we want to consider, and um, you know, another thing is that through our reentry, I created a a document. I can share that with you you all later. Is that it's based on the Castle um, SEL competencies, mm-hmm. and through self awareness, self management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision making, and then there are key points to consider that we talk about. When we have a reentry meeting and talk about what we need to do in our focus, you know, for self-awareness, it's always talking about being cautious of the language that we use, right? Okay. The words that we use—they have power, right? Mm-hmm. And that as we're coming back to transition and into a hybrid model, um, we need to be cognizant of that, right? Um, because it's 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 true that we may say something that could trigger another person based upon their experiences. During this time, we have to be mindful of that. You know, um, under self-management, you know, one of the things to talk about is understanding that behavior is a language, right? Oftentimes, non-verbal skills, cues that we see, we have to be able to pick up on that again, which we didn't. Like, you know, when you're virtual, it's a little bit different, but then coming back, right? We have to be able to recognize and and understand and see that with with everyone else that we're working with, because. You may ask them, how are you today? And they say, oh, I'm great, right? Body language, head down, eyes down, et cetera. They're not really great. They're not being honest with you. We have to recognize that, right? And understand that that's that's key. Um, And even our own body language, right? And our behaviors, um, how what that is saying to people um, when they're coming into the building. With the social awareness, right? Um, Understanding that like, this is an emotional process. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, we all have different energy every day anyway. You're speaking like, our
0: language, Evan.
2: Right. You know, but but you know, <laughs> the interesting thing is that like the energy that we have, right, changes. And, you know, there's been resonance that's taken place and the and the energy has been, you know, for us it's got it's gotten to a place where it's balanced in our homes in our working in our which are our new work environments mm-hmm. but on the other hand right we haven't all collectively been in the same space at the same time in a long time so now we're bringing all the energies that we had and how it was working for us previously now we're bringing it into the building and we have to be mindful of that like so if you or your family, someone in your family experienced, uh, you know, illness via COVID or a death or, or loss of job. That's all energy that you're still carrying around with you and you are gonna bring it back into the space when we all come back together. So we have to understand that and recognize that and, and help with, that, with the transition and, and understand that people are gonna be transitioning at a different, a different pace and space in terms of where they are. Everyone's not going to be in a great, happy mood. Everyone is not going to come back with, you, know, um, you know, with bells and whistles and excited. And that's okay, right? That's okay. But we have to we, we can't pretend that that's not the case. So that also goes with understanding those, those nonverbal cues, relationship skills. You know, the thing that, that I always talk about, you know, with this graphic is that um, even though we're coming back in the same space, we're still going to be isolated, right? Because of guidance that we have. So I may be back in the building, but right in terms of my social emotional connection with my peers and colleagues, I can't go to lunch with the person I used to go to lunch with all the time and come back in the building. I can't go across the hall and just hang out during our planning periods. And we can't be as close as we once were physically and talk about those things. like. Even though we're in the building, we're still doing Zoom, right? Or still right. doing some platform. So think about that. That's that in and of itself is almost worse than being off campus. Because yeah. now it's it's almost like, you know, it's right in front of you, but you can't access it. You can't interact, right? It's 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 almost a little more torturing than anything else yeah. because of that fact. And I think we have to be mindful that the isolation is still taking place, but we just move the location into the same collective space. Yeah. Um, and then you asked about what's working. This is what, what made me think about all this is that this is where the responsible decision making in terms of the castle standard comes into play. It's like don't abandon what works, right? There are less there are lessons we've all learned during COVID. That have worked, as I said, about understanding that students can learn differently. Um, they have different um, learning styles. Some have been thriving during remote learning. You know, and we don't have to change just because we come back into the building, right? And we're doing hybrid or face to face. Why do we have to throw everything out just because we're back in and go back to what we did before? As I said, that wasn't working. Mm-hmm. So, understanding that learning without walls still takes place, it can take place, and that, you know, it's viable, and, and that the role of educators moving forward, in my opinion, right, education is going to look different in a couple of ways. The first way is that interpersonal interaction is going to be huge, right? Why? Because we've been starved from it, mm-hmm. so that comes from the way in which coaches like yourself provide support to teachers, right? It's going to be personalized, professional learning, right? It's going to be personalized, right? I think you know the times of huge workshops, right? I don't think they're going to be as prevalent as they once were. Uh, I think that people are going to want to connect with people on a on a more intimate basis in terms of proximity and in f- feeling and, and getting that energy and understanding that because we haven't had that, right? The other the, the, the other thing that's gonna change is that understanding the role of the teacher is truly facilitating learning, right? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily providing answers. Mm-hmm. Students don't need answers anymore. They can Google everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They don't need a teacher for that. Mm-hmm. They need a teacher to help them to make sure the resources that they're looking at, you know, are proper and appropriate, that they can, that, that, that they're valid and reliable, they need, educators to help them navigate, right? And how to vet resources, how to um, provide an argument in terms of a debate. They need all those things for the adults to do to help them navigate those and and to act as a filter. They don't need sit and get. Whole group instruction is done. It's been done for a long time. It's played out as we would say like, and it doesn't work, right? It doesn't work, right? We know that now, you can't bring students back on campus and do whole group instruction, sit and get and think it's gonna work. It's not going to work. you know. So that piece about our instructional practices need to change and also the role of the educator you know, moving forward. And everything, like I said, is personalized, 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 personalized. Back to understanding what we need as human beings to be successful, right? You can have all the money in the world, all the resources in the world, but if I put you in a huge mansion with no other human beings around you and you know that there's human beings like you know a couple blocks away, but you can't access them. You're going to be miserable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think true.
2: that's, that's what I think, you know, we need to understand and establish and you know moving forward in terms of future ready learning for education.
0: Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's so true. It's just like, we've really like shifted and we're evolving, even though it's obviously been a terrible time. It's just, it, it has really, um, like the norm is checking in with people. The norm is, right. you know, um, well-being and, and how's everyone doing? And, 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 and connection is so important. And I'm working in a building um, in isolation. So I know how it is. We're all like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm imagining when you did your alphabet uh, social-emotional learning that they saved the letter B for you?
2: Well, of course. But of course they did. Yeah, of course. Of
0: course. <laughs> so tell us about that.
2: So um, so balance, Boundaries and Breaks is my framework in terms of um, a lifestyle that, you know, applies to everybody, but obviously started with educators being I'm an educator. And, um, you know, it's rooted in mindfulness, and also dialectical behavioral therapy. Um, I'm a mindfulness practitioner, you know, I meditate every day, um, you know, it, it, it helps ground me and it's, and the the story behind it is that, you know, there was a time in my life, life in my career, personal, professional, where um, I hit the wall. I truly hit the wall, um, you know, and I ended up having to go um, through some through some treatment and therapy and work through it, and I went you know was hospitalized, and you know that's why I'm a mental health advocate because I speak very openly about that. I'm not ashamed. I think that that's part of the problem in this country, and especially okay. in our profession. Um, but while I was healing, um, those three words—balance, sponges, and breaks—became a theme, and I didn't even recognize. I wasn't self-aware to recognize that, but those were the three areas for me that kind of got me in a situation I was in. You know, the balance, meaning that, you know, understanding how to balance your time, energy, and efforts and providing it to people that are deserving. And then people or projects that are reciprocated as well. Mm-hmm. And it's tough for us in education to do that, right? We feel guilty. People yeah. try to guilt us. Even if, even if there's no malintent, they try to guilt us. And, and guilt is a form of manipulation, right? It is. And what happens is the majority of us that got into this profession were givers by nature. We're fixers. We're very empathetic, right? So what happens is, is that like balance is always going to be relative. And to me, balance is always moving. So it doesn't mean 50% of my time here, 50% of my time there are 33, 30, 33. It means that in this moment in time, right? Is my life in balance in terms of what I need to be successful. And for me, um, I, I wasn't doing that, right? And that's, and, and you know, throughout my career and personal and professional life, there was no balance, right? I was, I was an extremist, mm-hmm. right? It was either all or nothing. There was no middle path. Mm-hmm. know and that was very hard for me so you know that's 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 the, the the b is for the balance the first b the second b is for boundaries and that's part of understanding right what your boundaries are we all like respect other people's boundaries typically right that's that's the that's a human thing to do but often we don't implement or adhere to our own personal boundaries and that basically says we don't say no we have a hard time saying no and once again in our in our profession right we were all we all go above and beyond right hey i need someone to stay after school and wait with these students i'll do it mm-hmm. i need someone to coach or sponsor this club i'll do it
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know i need you to can you can you you know call these these additional parents sure no problem i'll do it right can you come in early can you stay later yeah no problem i'll do it right there's almost like this this competition internally or we within our profession about, right, like nobody wants to leave the building the same time the students are leaving, right? Oh, that's a no-no. Even though contractually, right, there's a time you can leave, but nobody wants to do that, right? Nobody wants to do that. God forbid you actually leave when your contract is up. Oh, no, right? Like that's, you know, that's the thing. And for administrators, it's even worse. Like, you know, we basically have like, people can access us and access us anytime they want. With our cell phones, emails, a lot of other people too. But like, it's almost like it's it's expected that as an administrator, if people need to get a hold of you twenty four seven, they can, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that's it. But we have to be able to implement boundaries yeah. and say no,
0: mm-hmm.
2: right? Because even when there's no malintent, right? People and projects will drain you. Mm-hmm. They will drain you if you let. Them right yeah. if you if people only treat you the way that you allow them to treat you. Mm-hmm. So the first time you 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 say sure, I'll do it, I'll volunteer, right? And the second time you do it, well, then that becomes your job, right? Right.
0: Yeah, we all know, we all have people on staff that's like, well, you know, they'll do it, but-
2: they'll do it, and, and, and <laughs> right, and they're the go-to. Why? Because because they've allowed people to dump on them, yeah. and that's what it is, right? Once again not saying the people are bad that are doing it, but we allow people to do that. So we need to put up our boundaries and say no. We need to give way, ourselves permission to
0: do yeah, that. Evan, do you have a way of saying no? Like,
2: No. No.
0: <laughs> Just no. <laughs> no,
2: I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Well, and that's that, That's part of it. Like, we don't have to, when it comes to our own health and self-care and well-being, we don't have to be apologetic or or we don't have to provide pleasantries about that, mm-hmm. right? Why do we have to give excuses and say, oh, and, and be no, you know what? Because here, if we don't take care of ourselves, right? And we have and we're in the hospital or health goes, who's responsible for that at the end of the day?
0: Yeah.
2: Right? Nobody they, people people care like, oh, it's a bad thing to happen, but like at the end of the day, you're responsible for your own health and well-being. So you don't have to apologize or be nice about saying no. No. Can't do it. I'm not going to do it. Especially when contractually you're not bound to it, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. And so that's that's you know saying no is huge. Um, and then the last one is 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 the last B is breaks, and that's you know important about you know understanding that we have to pause, right? And that's where the mindfulness comes in, right? We're in we're in a time right now where everything is instant gratification. We want it yesterday. Right, and understanding what that means and how how we do it, but like we don't, don't take time for ourselves um, to take a break and to pause. Right, so we have to do that, and and part of that pausing and taking a break is the self care. Right, prioritizing our self care, which means everything from when you're sick, take your sick day. Right, up until now,
0: especially now, yeah, right, <laughs> that has a new meaning. Right,
2: but but up until this point, like the only reason people take sick days now is because. Like we're forced to, but previously we are notorious for coming, coming to work sick and we don't want to take a sick day. Right. Why? Once again, it's this competition of, I don't want anyone to know. I think that I'm not a hard worker, right. Not taking vacation time, Mm -hmm. not taking time for your family, unplugging, right. Even if you take just five minutes of your day and allocate that time to pausing and getting that respite, it's gonna make a huge impact on your well-being. Mm-hmm. And for me, understanding this is that with those three B's, if anyone ever has challenges in their life, there is a deficit in one or all three of those areas.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And once you address those areas, things will change for you. And this applies to anyone. It doesn't matter your profession, doesn't matter your role, your title, you know, that's exactly what you know what it is. So Um, that's, that's, that's kind of everything in a nutshell with the three B's and how it came about.
1: Yeah. I I think, I think that's, it's amazing to have somebody in a leadership position that really sees the value of this, because I think it's like you said, it's like part of our culture. You know, I, I was just talking to some of my colleagues and we were talking about this article that we had read about schools in Finland and how they Teach for 45 minutes and then 15 minutes they have yeah. a break and the kids go outside and the teachers go to the teacher's lounge and they drink coffee and we were laughing. We were like, so when does that happen? Never, right? The teacher's lounge is like usually empty. Um, but I think it's a little bit of this culture of busyness. So how do we actually make that change as uh, I guess it seems like so societally driven like how do we actually make it is it teacher by teacher do you have something that you've implemented as like a a, a greater school uh, philosophy with this
2: it's it starts with leadership right if if I'm not modeling that right if the superintendent's not modeling that if the building principal is not modeling that it doesn't matter what anybody else does because Right at the end of the day, right, you can want to do it, you can do what you want, but like there are decisions that can be made that can create an environment that's conducive for people to want to make a change. And those are those in leadership that can do it. We're the ones that can do that. And then after that, our job is just to allow people to do what they need to be done, but we can create the space that's safe in terms of safety, meaning like. I feel safe to, to be able to take a break and to put my health and well-being first and prioritize it without feeling pushed back, et cetera. That's what's important. So that's the way that it starts. And from then, then you can implement whatever you want. I mean, we have we have well-being Wednesdays in our district. What does that mean? Well, during during we have different slots and times that that, you know, the dress code is athletic wear because people are working out, right? Mm. and that and so that's a that's a shift yeah.
0: in culture
2: right uh, for allowing that to happen mm-hmm. right where people come and they and they work out doing things like that that seem so small make a big difference um in our in in our building um we just um created a wellness room which means we have the workout facility down there we have um and we also have a a room that you know is basically like a like a zen inspired room So you can meditate, go in there, the lighting's perfect, but understanding that people need that. So you can go in down there whenever you want. And also we're, 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 we're working on having someone to be on site. um, Someone that's involved in uh, holistic medicine and healing and understanding that to come in and and work and be on site to work with, with our, with our, um, with our uh, educators. And it's going to be great. But like, those are the type of things, once again, that leadership has to start right the board has to okay those things Mm -hmm. superintendent wants to be behind them building principal then gets the okay to do that so that's where everything and that's how it happens right and then we have to allow the people that can run with those type of initiatives and want to do it move out of their way and then let them do the work
1: yeah that's amazing I was just going to say I think when you talked about filling somebody's you know people's buckets ahead of time like when when you make moves like that, I think that that's, that's just what it does. It sends the message like we yeah. really do care about you and your well Yep. Yeah. Thank you, Evan, so much. You
0: are just a wealth of wellness. Yes.
2: I hope so. I try <laughs> <Wow>. to be. <laughs> I try to be.
0: So how, if people are listening to this and they would like to connect with you, what's the best way that they- can?
2: Sure, they can connect with me on Twitter, um, as you all did. And my Twitter handle is at Evan Whitehead, all together, E-V-A-N. W-h-i-t-e h e a d 00 at Evan Whitehead 00. You can also contact me via email if you want to ask me about some of the work that I do and, and some of the things I'm doing. And, you know, if you just want to you know bounce some ideas off me or you know by chance you want me to, to speak to your organization or district, et cetera, you can reach me via email. My email address is um, is evan whitehead one at gmail.com. Evan Whitehead11 at gmail.com. Okay.
1: Thank okay. you so All much right. for joining us today. Thank, thank you. So much. Thanks a, for having me. Very
0: timely and lots of great information. So we, All right. we really appreciate it.